Welcome to Coaching the Coach. I'm your host, Pete Townley, for the Upstate Performance Project. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. We are talking exercise science. Real quick, if you really have liked our podcast, whether any of the recent ones or some of the ones in the past, if you've ever gotten some kind of good information out of it, please give us a follow on Podbean or or iTunes, wherever you download it. We'd really appreciate it. Help us out. Uh, leave a name and a comment, and I'll, I'll give you a shout out on the uh, on the podcast. Uh, so think about that. If you if you've gotten any value, consider giving us a subscribe or a like, a share to your friends that might get some information out of this. That would be helpful. Uh, so today we are going to go back into exercise science and just very quickly recap part one just you know what is exercise science why do we need to study it why what's what's it all about who who needs the information all that kind of stuff and generally speaking everybody that's my that's my overall overarching case you don't have to have a degree to be a good trainer and just because you have a degree doesn't mean you're going to be a good trainer and if you don't have a degree doesn't mean you're going to be good or not good it's again everything that's going to make you a good trainer is how you listen and respond to your clients and by listening and responding you are actually using that scientific method you're you're putting some information out there seeing how they react to it what changes what doesn't change and then you make changes based on that and that's the scientific method right i theorize hypothesize that if i give them you know four sets of eight to twelve reps that they're gonna their muscles are gonna grow after a certain amount of time if they don't then maybe i didn't have enough stimulus or maybe or enough load maybe i you know the frequency wasn't enough or or, you know the idea is you're going to test and retest and that's that's science right that's being a scientist so we're all kind of stewards of exercise science or, or practitioners, if you will. But having the knowledge, uh, not just the practice part of it, is super important. And, and again, it's not that you have to go to a four-year degree to obtain this knowledge. I mentioned three books in the last podcast that you could go out and probably learn all you need to know, right? Uh, maybe not all you need to know, but you'd, you'd, you'd be a leg up on most people. That being said, you know, if you've already spent a lot of time and money getting a degree in this, you're like, what? I could have just gotten these books. Well, fear not. You, you've been able to get hands on learning about all of these topics and you've seen it firsthand. So you have a really good grasp. What you need to focus on is getting your own hands dirty, lifting and training people and seeing what works in the quote unquote real world versus just on paper. So I think that's always been the rub right that we talked about last time is that some people who are who've been lifelong practitioners whether they have a degree or not uh feel like some people who come out of college thinking they know everything but haven't really done anything uh result wise uh should should shut up and pay their dues before they start spouting off and and i don't i see where they're coming from but at the same time i think we can all just say look we can all get better. We can all learn. There's all areas or all uh, reason for us to all improve. So what I wanted to talk about today uh, with with respect to exercise science, I, I'm going to kind of break down the biggest 
things in the next few parts uh, that you need to walk away from with exercise science. And the first, and I think the most important, well, I shouldn't say the most important, what I think is one of the most important things, we'll say one of the first, top three to five things, is knowing the different energy systems. It's pretty simple, it's not hard to understand, but it's, it's, if you understand it, or if you, if you do know it, you can answer a lot of questions and you can improve your programming immensely just off of this. So of course I'm talking about, uh, the three different energy systems, phosphagen system, or, or kind of our immediate energy system, uh, the oxidative or glycolytic, pardon me, the glycolytic or non-oxidative, and then the oxidative, uh, uh, system. And so these three systems are ways in which you metabolize uh, ATP and how how you use that to create energy for whatever activity that you're doing. Now, I'm not going to get into all of the actual science of how everything is broken down. You know, uh, like I'll give some examples, but I'm not going to go into great detail because again, you can go read these in depth and it would be pretty boring if I just started spouting all that stuff off. What I want you to know, the take home points, right? The bullet points, that's the main thing for today. The phosphagen system or, or our immediate system, they call it the phosphagen system because when you're deriving the um, ATP, you're using the creatine phosphate uh, shuttle system along with ATP. Um, and what that that's that's phosphagen so what you're what we're trying to do is utilize energy immediately utilize the, the stored muscle glucose and convert it to energy right away to be used this is this results in because a lot of these are well they're all water soluble they get to the to the muscle cell quickly to cause the reaction or the contraction and it's a powerful and quick contraction but we don't it's it's pretty uh, uh susceptible to fatigue in other words it can't go very long now there's different methods of just or not just fine uh, quantifying like how 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 long does this go but generally speaking we're looking at events that are super quick in nature like 10 seconds or less it can go a little bit further than that but you know very quick explosive short duration things like a hundred meter sprint, right? Uh, or, you know, a throw, a discus throw, a shot put, a long jump, uh, a weight lift, uh, clean and jerk, snatch, those kind of things, quick and powerful. Less than 10 seconds, just boom, immediate, have the energy. Now, those kind of, uh, that kind of energy system, you know, usually requires uh, a, a one to, 12 to 1 to 20 work to rest ratio to fully uh, restore that. Meaning, if I'm going to train someone to get better in this energy system, if they're a weightlifter, I'm going to have them do their attempt, or maybe they're doing doubles and you know whatever they're doing. They're, I'm going to have their bout of exercise, and then I'm going to have them rest for a 1 to 12, 1 to 20 work to rest ratio. So, again, if it took you 10 seconds to do the lift or the set, maybe you're doing triples. It took you 10 seconds. We're going to have you rest, you know, 120. So, you know, a couple minutes to to four minutes before you go again. 
And that may seem something, seem like, oh yeah, I've heard that before. You got to rest two to four minutes between big heavy lifts. Well, there's why, because it takes time to replenish those muscle stores uh, so that they can be used quickly again. If you were to do those kind of things and not rest appropriately, eventually you're going to fatigue or you would fatigue a lot quicker. You'll do fewer reps, therefore getting less of a training stimulus. Now, sometimes we look at doing like EMOM training uh, where, we're, where we're really trying to work the work capacity by reducing our, our rest ratio. Uh, but generally in that scenario, we're not going to be going 90% or higher on our, on our weight. So we can get a lot of work done in a short amount of time. And that, and those are good to do every once in a while to help bust through that plateau and, and, and create better, uh, recovery from that faster recovery so that we can continue a high output of power with even less recovery. And that those are ways to train that. Um, but again, those these systems, uh, as we talked about in uh, a couple of podcasts ago, when you put them into practice, when you're training someone uh, in a strength or part, or strength power phase, uh, definitely a power phase in, in strength as well, you're going to use that kind of work rest ratios for your main lifts, but also your conditioning, as I mentioned before. So, you know, if I'm doing uh, some, some power cleans as my main lift. Then I do my accessories. Then when I go do my conditioning, my conditioning is going to have that same work to rest ratio. So it might be, um, you know, 40 meter sprints. Okay. I might run 10 to 20, 40 meter sprints all out, but giving myself a one to 12 or one to 20 work rest ratio, uh, in between sets. That way every bout, is maximal effort and I have a maximal amount of energy available to me to, to do that. The next energy system uh, would be our non-oxidative or our, our glycolytic uh, energy system. This is an energy system that is also anaerobic or does not need oxygen uh, or does not use oxygen in its uh, chemical breakdown uh, to form ATP. So. Again, it's going to be high force output, but this time a little bit longer. So, you know, sometimes we see up to two to two to three minutes. It, it really kind of varies from person to person. It's really hard to say exactly, but you're looking at uh, events, you know, to give you some example, like a 400 meter sprint. Uh, some people might even say an 800, uh, depending on what level of competition we're at. Uh, but those, those are going to be largely you know, high power, high force, but have a little bit more uh, fatigue resistance uh, to to um, uh, allow us to have continued output, maybe not maximum output, power output, but pretty close, pretty strong, pretty powerful, and hold it for a little bit longer. Now, a lot of sports fall into this glycolytic energy system, uh, which is, you know, to say like a basketball sport where there's moments of high, high, you know, go, like jumping to dunk a ball or to block a shot, uh, dr driving left or right to, to either drive the ball or to defend, sprinting up and down the court, followed by 
bouts where you're kind of standing, waiting for the ball, or kind of jogging up and down after a shot. There's no full court press. So so your energy goes high, 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 and then down, high, and up, up and down. So you have to keep a high output for a long period of time. Uh, but there again, you know, you're not constantly moving like you would, say, with a, a oxidative energy system, which we'll talk about in a minute. So training this can be very difficult. So normally the best way is, is really to use those intervals, right? So, uh, for example, I had a, a hockey, uh, player and this was years ago. So I, I may get the actual time off or the, the, the ratios off. Uh, it's been a while since I've trained a hockey player, but from what I remember, <laughs> The, his line changes were like 60 minutes on, 40 seconds off, 60 seconds on, 40 seconds off. So we would do minute bouts of high intensity, and then he would rest 40 seconds. Now, does that uh, line up with, with what we're looking at? Well, generally with a work-rest ratio, we're looking at like a one to one to three. Uh, could even be, you know, one to one, uh, but closer to one to two, one to three work rest ratio. So that would be a little bit of, of an inverse, but that's training for, for that particular sport. But the idea is you're going to have, you know, uh, again, a long enough break to replenish those energy stores uh, when you're doing your bouts, whether that be the strength portion or the conditioning portion. But again, those strength and conditioning portions need to line up when you're training. You need to be training the same energy system on both in whatever phase you're in. If you start mixing them where you're doing, you know, uh, like a, let, let's say a, a 90% clean uh, and jerk for eight sets of eight singles, and then you have someone go out and run a mile, two different energy systems. It's not to say that it can't be done, and it's not to say that that can't be a test or some kind of, you know, benchmark workout that you want to put together. But generally speaking, you would train your cleans, you would train your, your distance running. It's two separate phases of training where you're emphasizing one system over the other so that we have maximal gains in that system and then maintain it, the maximal gains, maintain it, maximal gains, maintain it. Uh, and, and finally, we, we look at our oxidative system, which is our aerobic system. And so this is, this is the one where obviously we're going you know, over four minutes, over three, four minutes in duration, low power output, but high, um, high uh, resistance to fatigue. And now since we're using oxygen and we're breaking down other, other nutrients like fatty acids and things like that for energy, we can produce a lot more energy. Uh, you know, some fatty acids you can get well over a hundred, uh, 130, uh, uh, ATP molecules to, to help to keep cycling in to just keep that motor going, right? But the power is high. We're not using them quickly. We're not, we're not, you know, trying to use it up super fast. So the idea here with all these three energy systems is knowing that in order to be a total athlete or a well-rounded athlete, you need to train all of these. Every sport needs that. But think about your sport. Think about your activity. If you're not an athlete, or if you're not training athletes, you're training someone just for general life. What's most important? 
if, if, if that person has one that's more important than others, like marathon runners versus football players, you're going to emphasize and you know, one of those systems over the others throughout your training, but you still need to hit some of those other systems, right? You can't ignore any of it. And you can argue that, you know, building more muscle, you know, can help you have more capacity to, uh, 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 to, to perform, you know, higher endurance. Uh, and, and so with the higher endurance, you know, training can help you crank out one or two extra reps at a top end set, which will help you get stronger, build the muscle. So, so you see how they can all work together, but you have to emphasize them differently throughout your training. Uh, so again, using those work to rest ratios and, and a work to rest ratio for, for a uh, oxidative is we're looking at like a one to one or maybe one to two. So if you go out on a, uh, mile and it takes you six minutes to run that mile, you might race rest six minutes before you go out to the another one. Uh, and again, are there different ways of training? Is that the only way to do it? Is that the best way to do it? It's a proven way to do it. We'll put it that way. So you can tweak some of that based on what you're what you're trying to work on if you're really trying to if you have an athlete that you know their their capacity is terrible but they can crank it out one time so maybe they can run at 800 meters and get like a 157 but then they are just done they can't do be they can't be in the four by eight relay because they're trash now granted i know you'd usually run the four by eight first in the meet but you get the idea. Maybe they run that four by eight relay, but then they can't do the open eight because they're trash. So you need to work on their work capacity and their ability to come back. So that's when you can adjust the work to rest ratios up or down, usually down. Uh, but that being said, the importance of understanding that is so that when you are training your athletes and you're putting together workouts, whether they're playing a specific sport or they're just a general trainee, just someone looking to get in shape. If you match their conditioning and their lifting with the appropriate work to rest ratios based on what type of energy system you're working, you're going to maximize your results that way. Uh, and I'll clarify that by saying before people jump down my throat and say, well, I could do that. You could do this. We're talking about the long haul. Let's assume everything I talk about, every kind of program is a long-term program, right? A, a lifestyle change. So in other words, yeah, you could adjust some of these things to have some short-term changes or differences, but I'm talking about if you want to change long-term, this is the kind of thing you want to do. You want to have a strength phase, a hypertrophy phase, endurance phase, power phase, and those phases can be longer based on what you're trying to emphasize and what energy system your particular client needs. But that's the importance of it. And they have to cycle in. So if I'm working my strength and power phase right now, so I'm I'm doing that one to 12 or one to 20 work to rest ratio with my lifts and my conditioning, that doesn't mean I can't go out maybe once, once a week and do like a, a three mile run to, to maintain my aerobic capacity that I built in a previous endurance phase or aerobic phase or oxidative phase, if you will. So uh, I hope that makes sense. 
Um, sometimes when I talk about that, I, I make some inferences. So please, if it doesn't make sense or if I didn't explain it exactly uh, correct or not correct, but uh, clearly that's the right word, let me know and I'll help you out. Um, next podcast, we're going to jump into uh, a little bit of muscle physiology and why you need to know that. So a quick example is you need to know how a muscle actually contracts, right? So you're going to have you know, calcium binding to troponin, moving to tropomyosin, uh, which which opens up or or or, or um, uh, releases. That's that's not the right word. Um, exposes. That's right. The um, myosin binding sites on actin, and then there's then they slide together, and that's the shortening or sliding filament theory. So we're gonna we're gonna talk about that and why you need to know that and how knowing that can help you answer questions based about supplementation, fast twitch, slow twitch, all all of those kind of questions that you hear a lot. So muscle physiology is next. Uh, talking about energy systems today, muscle physiology, um, and uh, you know we'll talk a little bit about nutrition to probably wrap up exercise science. So uh, maybe a little anatomy as well. We'll see. Anyways. Have a good one. Talk to you soon.